In today's episode number 53, we will be covering the real, the true meaning of business. I mean, I, I really believe that if you take care of people and you do it uh, with empathy and you do it with uh, the best of care, that at the end of the day, the business follows. This is Kevin, the guest of today's episode. And then I step back and ask myself, okay, if that's what they believe they're doing, is that really what's happening? Kevin is the CEO of Michigan Institute of Neurological Disorders. Prior to joining Mind, he was a publisher and founder at Scene Magazine, founded a chain of health and care stores in the 90s, and spent time in the senior leadership ranks of the Kmart Corporation. He's having years and years and years of experience that involves successes, failures. So you can imagine what he can share with us. I, I, I see him as a library of information. Why not? He has evolved 77 years old newspaper company into a media group. He founded successful distribution company. The list of his achievements is way longer than the whole duration of this podcast. So I would say we should wait and talk to Kevin directly, ask him what he can share with us about his experiences, and we can take it from there. We can take our lessons, notes, and can apply those lessons to our businesses, to our lives. If you want to learn more about me, you, you can go to issuesing.com, I-S-H-U-S-I-N, gh.com if you want to be a guest on this show you can contact me there or this is my email issue ishu at starting to know.com if you want to become a contributor to starting to know magazine.com yes that's evolution of this podcast you can go to starting to know.com and get in touch with us there hi kevin welcome to the family Good evening. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. My pleasure to have you here. Uh, why don't we start with the very first question with your company name, Mind. Please tell us more about it. Sure. And thank you. Uh, actually, Mind started out as a neurological practice back in 1969. So it's, it's actually been in business for over 50 years. The original name was Glendale Neurological Associates, and later it became known as MIND, or the Michigan Institute for Neurological Disorders. So uh, it's been in practice uh, in Farmington Hills, Michigan, and grew to be uh, one of the top three neurological practices actually in the United States with uh, almost 200 employees, over 30 doctors, and really takes a great deal of pride in what we call a one-stop shop for neurological care. This is awesome. I didn't know that. Okay, you are among the top three. Thank you so much for letting me know as well. <laughs> so, Kevin, you have received so many achievements in the healthcare industry. Like, I've, I've read your bio, like, I've seen your portfolio. It is kind of an unbelievable so was this a natural progression of your studies or it was in, it was your interest that you wanted to go into the healthcare industry? Uh, you know, again, a great question. I grew up 
in Western Pennsylvania. And I think a lot of the influence uh, that, that impacted kind of my career decisions was I, I grew up around a small town environment where everyone looked out for everyone. And we really had what was kind of the, the local hometown doctor, Dr. Yui, and he'd literally come to your house and take care of you. And, you know, as you grow up and you see someone like that, you begin to admire how they take care of individuals. And I think, you know, it led me to, to want to either go uh, into the medical field to be a doctor or ultimately I went to Duquesne University to be a pharmacist and get my pharmacy degree and my PharmD degree. And it was really a, a, just a pure desire in taking care of people. And I think that carried through my whole career as I advanced into uh, CVS and, and Kmart and some of the roles I had in those organizations. And then starting my own company, MedMax, where it was healthcare superstores. And it reached a point in my career where, uh, you know, some family situations uh, from a health standpoint uh, with my brother and my father that really made me decide I needed to get back to where I could lead an organization that really had a focus on patient first and mind was looking for a CEO. And it seemed like a perfect fit. Uh, great doctors, great providers, great people that really cared about uh, putting patients first and in neurology, you see so many patients in pain and with other issues that mm -hmm. seem like a, a perfect area for me to advance my career and be helpful. Mm -hmm. So according to you, like business is beyond the number games. It's not only about money. Absolutely. I mean, I, I really believe that if you take care of people and you do it uh, with empathy and you do it with uh, the best of care, that at the end of the day, the business follows. The business will come to you because of the care you give the patients. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Agreed, agreed. You have worked in the media industry as well. These two are polar opposite, like healthcare media. Just wondering like, if you were able to find any commonalities in these two, like anything common that you found? Well, I think the commonality is, you know, in the, in the media organization, which I kind of came into, I don't want to say by accident, but, you know, I was, I was in a situation where people were asking me with my business skills to help them fix companies and turn companies around. And, and it happened to be an organization that was, was in the process of doing that. And uh, once I got in, I ended up, uh, you know, really getting involved and enjoying part of my merchandising background at Kmart. I, I like to find new things and create new things. So media is a perfect outlet for that. But the tie-in was really where uh, the products that I was involved in really took care of a community. One was the Detroit Jewish News and really like was the historic newspaper for the Jewish community here in Michigan. And by making sure that that survived through all the changes that happened in media, really allowed like a hundred year history to stay alive for the community. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I created another product called Scene Magazine that really focused on all the local individuals that had started companies, had really put blood, sweat, and tears into the organizations and over time really grew their businesses. And I was able to highlight that through Scene Magazine. It was called Neighborhood Scene. 
And so once again, it was those marketing products focused on caring for specific communities, telling the story, and really like bringing to life those individuals. And so in a lot of ways in the healthcare field, it's like we're out there trying to take care of people in the community. So it's a nice kind of tie into like just, it, I like to really focus on people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You we just mentioned me like you have done uh, many different roles in many different companies turn around uh, the revenue, increase their revenue. Wanted to ask you like if someone, whenever you were going into a company and that company uh, was struggling or wanted to grow, but was not growing. So how, like, how were you tackling the problem? Like, how do you see like, okay, this is a problem. I'm going to go in this way, or this is a company uh, and I have to scale this up. Like, how do you, how do you see it and take it from there? Like just wanted to understand your perspective and your uh, problem solving skills. Like, how do you see the things? Sure. Um, and it's an interesting question because I, I tend to do the same thing in any kind of industry or whether it's a big Kmart corporation or CBS or down to like smaller entities like the media company. Uh, you know, one of the first things I do is step back and say, like, what was the original product that you set out to deliver? And I like to hear people explain to me what they believe the product is they are delivering. And then I step back and ask myself, okay, if that's what they believe they're doing, is that really what's happening? And and if it is, that's one, one answer to a question. The second answer to the question is, but is it really what that customer wants? It might, have, it might have been the right product for what the customer wanted years ago, but in today's world, is it still the same product and is that what the customer wants? And then the next step is I tend to do my management by walking around. I like to literally go to all the different areas of the company and listen to what the frontline staff is really doing and saying as they interact with the customer and begin to like translate is it matching up with what people believe it's supposed to be? And after I do that, I come back and kind of remap the process. And then it's all about at the end of the day, do you have the right people in the right seats? You know, I, I really believe any business is based around having the right people that believe in what you're doing and really trained to do it well so that they can deliver whatever that product is or service. And so people become the key to everything. Mm-hmm. Related with this, like I would definitely like to ask you that the entrepreneur should be able to sell or uh, sell the idea themselves or, or they should let the masters of their own craft do the job, like hire the salespeople and uh, find them, hire them, retain them and let them do their job instead of you trying to be a salesperson. What do you yeah. think? Like for raising the money, it makes sense. Yeah, you, you have yeah. to pitch your idea. Yeah, and, and I think that that's a, a perfect point you just made because I think the entrepreneur's job is they've come up with the idea, they come up with the passion and they're good at selling. Here's what my, here's what my service or my product is. So it, that's great for that entrepreneurial role. But I think they get caught up in not understanding, but 
they may not be the best person to go out and actually grow the business and sell the business. There are people that are very good at that and are passionate about that. And that's where you have to kind of begin to let go. And that's where a lot of entrepreneurs really struggle and fail is they don't realize uh, they're not good at everything. And they, they have to kind of stay in their lane and begin to trust other people that uh, can do things better. And ultimately, they may have to hire the right kind of president or CEO or business person that really can take it to the next level because they don't have that skill set. They were, they were good at creating, uh, maybe not good at growing and managing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Letting the things go, like it's it's sometimes it's it's good. It's good and good good for the company and good for the person as well. Uh, just wanted to go a little bit deeper into the service industry aspect. Like you are in, in the service industry, healthcare, and uh, previously you were in the retail chains. Uh, like it is hard in order to manage people because service industry is heavily dependent on uh, manpower. So front facing people, like it's it's hard to see or to maintain those things that like you you can put enough controls but you cannot change human behavior so what do you think should we do something in a better way so that the so the people who are who are directly dealing with the customers should be able to do their job in a proper way beyond i'm i'm asking beyond standard operating procedures like sops and processes in place right well i i, I think there's a couple things and and it's not a perfect science yet. I mean, one is, you know, I've started to do a lot more uh, personality testing to find kind of like people are kind of built a certain way, you know? So when people uh, are born or grow up, they tend to have kind of a chemistry of what they enjoy doing and how their personality works and kind of what they're comfortable doing. And I find that if I can match roles, like if you're going to be a customer service on the phone, talking to people and greeting people and setting schedules, that personality is different than maybe the personality that has to work in the billing department, handling insurance claims, et cetera. And if you, if you pick the right personalities and the right chemistry, it tends to make for a happier employee, which means just in general, their attitude towards everybody else is better. So I've tried to start to do some of that to get more accurate when I'm, I'm putting people in roles. And I think then we have to learn to align incentives that really reward people for doing the right things. But, but you have to, you know, KPIs don't always measure exactly the things that at the end of the day, if you're if you're service oriented and you're, you're customer forward looking, reward what that is. So you have to find a way to measure like customer satisfaction that ties back to the individuals that really are delivering that service and be able to reward them intelligently beyond just somebody's opinion, you know, of an individual. So I think it's, it's also a reward system that, that really makes sense for doing that. And I don't have an absolute solution to this one. No, I, I really like your point. Um, like allowing the people to to basically tell you or the leadership, like this is a problem or or maybe like uh, this is where they want to grow. Uh, 
Like this is a place where they have more interest in comparison to the job that they are currently doing. And if you're allowing them to to do what they want to do, like it's it's gonna be good for the company and for them as well. I, I think mentally as well. Yeah, I think you know, when you have an employee that's excited to do what they were doing every day rather than it's like it's a job and I have to go because I gotta I have to get a paycheck. I mm-hmm. think you know that that mental negativity lingers with them in all their interactions all day long with customers and patients versus somebody that's like, I love doing this. I mean, how many times have we gone to a restaurant and we'll say, boy, that was a horrible waiter. And you could tell they were just going through the motions versus somebody else that's like, they look like they're happy. They're just, you know, if, if they didn't get tipped, they, they'd still be happy, you know, uh, because they love what they're doing. They just love servicing people and they love seeing you happy, enjoying your meal. And that's what, making that fit work, I think, really makes a difference in how the outcome is every day. For sure. For sure. And like, of course, like there is so much happening in one's life and like, and and first it happens in the top portion of the body, right? Like it's brain. Am right. I right? Like you are more in this field. Uh, is that right? No, it's absolutely right. A lot of things are in your head. You know, you can say I'm having a bad day well, or, or another example is look, sometimes people will say I'm exhausted. They didn't do anything physical and it's because they're mentally fatigued. They just had a bad day and it's showing up in everything they do. And the day becomes worse because it becomes what they mentally are creating around them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. I, I 100% agree with this. And is there like any advancement coming? Like what are the recent advancements that we can see in the healthcare industry, especially related with your field, mind? Well, it, it's kind of really uh, a number of very intriguing things coming into the market. One, there's a lot of new drugs coming to the market that are going to be affecting dementia and early uh, early catching of dementia, early treating of dementia to try and prevent it from continuing to advance. And I think over the next five years, you're going to see a lot of those products come to market I think you're going to see a lot of advancements in how we treat dementia and Alzheimer's that will uh, begin to slow the process and begin to even reverse the process that, that we never thought we'd have the ability to do. So that's, that's on that front. Hmm. The other front that's kind of really exciting as well is we're seeing a lot of artificial intelligence start to come into play in some of our technology. So we're, this year we're gonna install two new MRIs at the, uh, at the central location for MIND. And the MRIs that GE has created have built in uh, artificial intelligence. So what will happen is as we do an MRI scan, uh, we have radiologists on staff, so we'll have a human being that always reads the MRIs and look for what they have learned over their career as issues. The same time, the MRI, artificial intelligence system, will compare the scan to millions of other scans that have been done, and you'll have like a built-in second opinion from the oh. artificial intelligence with the radiologist. So we believe that's that's a, a major big deal to be able to have that, you know, uh, kind of cross-checking. Wow. This is, 
this is something really interesting, like Alzheimer uh, solutions are coming and AI in the machine and giving the second opinion right there. Wow, this is amazing. Yeah, it's pretty cool stuff to see. And there's, there's just more and more things we're seeing come through the pipeline like that. Uh, there was another one and we're not doing it yet because it's still too new and we need a little bit more time to, to watch it is like they're able to do surgical procedures with MRI without actually cutting the skin, you know, mm -hmm. and they're able to go in and, and touch nerves with the MRI and you need kind of a neurosurgeon to oversee it but it doesn't, it doesn't cut the skin. And actually there's situations where somebody will get a, a quote, one hour MRI that have Parkinson's. And when they're done, the tremors are gone. So they're able to go back to almost living a normal life by just sitting in an MRI for an extended period of time. So uh, it's, it's, I think it's going to be amazing what we see in the next two to three years. Yeah, for sure. And I've also read like recently the healthcare industry is the fastest growing sector of the economy. Like it's going to be estimated to grow 19% by 2024. So of course, I think so. This There's going to be a lot, lot of new advancements coming soon. Um, before we wrap up, Kevin, like any final thoughts that you would like to share uh, with the entrepreneur who is listening to this episode right now, who's listening to you? Yeah, I... I I love that you asked me this question because I'm big on telling entrepreneurs, you have to have passion to really grow any kind of business, create any kind of product. You have to know that just because you fail, it's not really a failure. It's merely a learning. Uh, I know I've done a couple of things in my career uh, that have turned out to be failures that if I didn't have that failure, I would not be able to do the job I have today and I would not be as good as I am today at what I do. So don't fear failure, embrace it. And at the same time, know that it's your personal passion and belief in what you're doing that will ultimately make you successful. You know, And it's just that wake up every day and go for it. And at the end of the day, you will succeed. I, I I loved it. And I'm I'm built in the same way. Like go for it, do the things and let the people or you're doing it for the people, for the customer. So let them decide what, what are you going to get? Like, is that going to be failure or a success? So, yeah. And uh, Kevin, where can we learn more about you and your business if someone wants to get in touch? Sure. If, uh, if you want to look me up or you want to look mind up, you can go to www.mindonline.com and uh, you'll, you'll see me there. You'll see my email address and I'm, I'm happy to answer any questions. You can also just look me up uh, under Kevin Brown on LinkedIn and I have my, four, my profile there and I answer questions every day there. Thank you so much, Kevin, for giving me your time. Thanks a lot. Thank you, and uh, greatly appreciate the time tonight. Thank you.